I'm Dan Kane. I'm Sal Kanka. And this is the Imperfect Podcast. Don't forget to check us out at hecklercane.com and download our episodes for free on iTunes and SoundCloud. To the bumper. Remember that guy in the famous Got Milk commercial in the 90s who couldn't say Aaron Burr? How about the kid with no tongue in Wes Craven's People Under the Stairs? Today we had a great chance to talk with character actor Sean Whalen. Sean talked about his upcoming role as Satan in Harrison Smith's Death House, how Drew Barrymore stuck up for him on the set of Never Been Kissed, and rubbing elbows with other talented actors as the comedy and improv teacher at James Franco's acting school in Los Angeles. Plus, we got to hear about his latest feature film, now crowdfunding on Indiegogo, called Crust. Hope you enjoy our interview with Sean Whalen on how to succeed as a character actor in Hollywood. Hey, Sean. Welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. How are you doing today? Great. Hey, Sal. How are you guys doing? We're doing well, thanks. We're over here in New York. We still can't catch a break with the sun, but other than that, things are good. Uh, what part of New York? Upstate of the city? or We're on Long Island, actually. Oh, nice. Just outside the city. You've been to Long Island much? Uh, I've not been to Long Island that much, but I've been to Brooklyn and northern New Jersey and Manhattan a lot. So. Okay, cool, yeah. yeah. And up uh, outside, uh, like, uh, my brother used to live in Chappaqua, and now he lives out near Sleepy Hollow in Terrytown. Oh, so. Sleepy Hollow's cool, right? It's got that yeah. Yeah, rich, rich history. Window. Yeah, we didn't go into Sleepy Hollow, but we went. Uh, I, we, he's dying to have us come out for Halloween because he said it's awesome. Like, they do it up for Halloween. It is. Those are two destinations. Like Sleepy Hollow is one, and if you're on the East Coast, Salem, Massachusetts, you got to yeah. get both of those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for Halloween, I would guess. Yep, exactly. So where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, Maryland, actually. I grew up in uh, Maryland. I was right between D.C. and Baltimore, so it was kind of rural and then kind of a betting community of Washington, D.C. Okay. So yeah, it was a great place to grow up. Awesome. I loved it. Cool. And were you a uh, an active theater kid, so to speak, in, in your uh, high school yeah. days? Yes. I mean, when I was in, uh, I did a lot of plays, but it was fifth grade that was kind of the turning point. I, I wrote and directed a, um, turn off the phone. <laughs> it's my agent. <laughs> it's okay. We're the imperfect podcast. That's fine. I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's actually a bill collector. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so uh, they said, you know, you can do a class project. So I directed and starred in Rumpelstiltskin. And I'll never forget doing it. And then at the very end, when I, like, I ran out on stage because I had the little slippers and I slid across the stage for my curtain call. And the, I was in front of the whole school and the whole school just kind of gave me a huge round of applause. And I was like... Wow, this is awesome. Like, I had fun doing this show, and then you also get accolades for it at the same time. So I was like, this is kind of cool. So I pursued it then and then was very active in um, high school with community and my high school theater. And then I got a scholarship uh, – not a scholar, I got a scholarship for my high school, um, but then I got accepted into UCLA theater program. So I came out here. Okay, so you moved out to L.A. during the college years and then basically stayed – and I've never like that's what kind of sucks is people have lived a lot of places, but I grew up in Maryland for 18 years and I've been here ever since. So yeah. I, I didn't have like Chicago and New York and you know London and you know I kind of wish I did, but oh well, it's all right. I like it here. You but, seem to be doing well for yourself. I mean, over 100 
acting credits to your name, I mean, something went right, right? Hey, something went right. I mean, I always tell actors, give it two years, 100% of your time and energy. And if after two years you can say, oh, things are proceeding, that doesn't even mean you're getting a paid gig or anything, but like I'm doing well in my acting school or things are going well, then stick around. And after two years, I was doing well. I was performing in the Groundlings and I uh, thought, okay, this is going okay, and then two years after that, I mean, I started really pursuing it in the winter of 87, and I recorded my first uh, commercial in the fall of 88, so hmm. that was, okay, this is this is going okay, and I just kept going, going, and going, and going, and then, you know, kept kept at it, even though... You know, the ups and downs. I had Alan Ruck actually in my acting class because I teach. Mm. He was telling me he had done Ferris Bueller but moved to LA and it wasn't going that well. And he was working like in a factory. And people were like, hey man, is that the guy from Ferris Buford? <laughs> Buford? I don't know. He looks familiar to me. And so it just goes to show you the ups and downs. I mean, I can't imagine being in such a huge movie and then, you know, working lugging boxes in a factory after that. It's crazy, but, right? I saw a picture of you two recently. You guys hooked yeah. up. Um, I was in my acting class at Studio Four, and uh, I, I I'm the head of the comedy department at James Franco School. So, yep, I, I saw that, and I want to get into that a bit later as well. Um, cool. So you mentioned your commercial. That was that your first paid official acting yeah. gig, and um, what? Yeah, my first movie was for a thing called Caboodles. It was for, and it ran on MTV, and it was a, a makeup, makeup fishing tackle box mm-hmm. that um, you could keep makeup in. And uh, that was my first thing. Got me my SAG card, and got me my car because I was driving around the city in a Vespa, and I got like a thousand dollar beat up car, <laughs> and uh, it was awesome. And then after that, I started doing a lot of Little Caesars commercials. And then, um, yeah, I did that for quite a while, and then I got uh, um, People Under the Stairs in, in 91. Yeah, so you, you played Roach in People Under the Stairs, which is yeah. an iconic uh, Wes Craven film. I mean, I know as a, I was a child then... Dan, were you even born then? You're a bit younger, yes. but uh, we, uh, you know, I remember the film quite vividly, and uh, you know, it's interesting. Roach was a character that had what, maybe ten minutes of screen time, but maybe fifteen. Like you're the first person who's ever said that, you know, and it's true because I watched it recently, and I'm like, wow, I'm not in this thing. Like I'm just not in it that much. But it made an impact. Um, you yeah, know, the really role- the character. Yep, and uh, it's funny, we had on uh, Tammy Stronach from The NeverEnding Story, and she played the childlike princess in The NeverEnding Story. Same similar scenario, iconic movie, very little screen time, but everybody knows who the hell she is. Right. Um, So very similar, and what do you attribute to that role? Is there something about that role and that character that sticks out, that stuck with people? Yes, but it took me a long time to figure out why. Um, you know, they used me in the publicity, uh, for the movie. They, um, they took these weird pictures of me before we shot the movie and I never even looked like I did in these photos with me with long spiky hair as Roach and I never really looked like that. But I think it was because, um, and this was just recently, they said, you know, which character would you like to be in real life? And I thought, oh, I don't even know. But then I thought, oh, Roach, because he's. Because now that I 
why now I understand why people like him so much because he was smart enough to leave the basement as like a 15 year old kid uh, and not be caught as a person under the stairs and trapped by them. And instead of leaving, you know, obviously if he was smart enough to get out and in between the walls, he was smart enough to leave. Mm-hmm. But he stuck around a, not only to like give shit to the people who put him there, but also to save, make sure that little girl was going to be okay. Yep. And then he was a martyr in terms of, you know, he died saving, you know, a fool so he could help Alice get out of the house, yep. you know, and, and have a new life. And then I was like, oh, that's why. He could, and he did it all with an innocence. You know, it was all innocent. Yep, and that character, you were so young playing that character, too. Do you, so I, I actually wasn't that young. I was 27 playing a 15-year-old. Oh, so you had the baby face going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, you know, I look good for 86. So. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I give you props for that. Um, yes. And so a bit about Wes Craven. I mean, how much interaction did you have with him on set at that time, and what was it like working with him? Well, I he was just – he's just – I always say he's like the favorite uncle at the barbecue, not the one that's behind the thing yelling out and screaming, but the guy who gently like hands the hot dog to, you know, takes it from the big loud guy and goes, here you go. Do you want, do you want some cheese with that? Or would you like that? (laughs) You like that with just ketchup or mustard, you know, like he's so mellow, so nice and, uh, very nurturing, wanted us to do good acting work, really Mm -hmm. cared about that was very protective of that and it really made you want to do a good job and he he just wanted you could tell he was so nice and wanted it to be good that you instinctively wanted to be better mm-hmm. you would you just didn't want to suck for him you know yeah. uh, you couldn't I can't imagine any one of us phoning it in because you know it's a weird movie it's very twisted and strange <laughs> and and but but he made it so safe, and so you thought, oh, well, if I'm going to be in this movie, I may as well play and give it 100%. And I was very lucky. I was with a coach, uh, Mark Spiegel, who was great um, at the time, mm-hmm. and I was also at Playhouse West with Robert Carnegie, and they taught me to act, act. I'd come out of the groundlings with comedy. but And so I was in the right place to say, look, I really want to you know, create this character and play this real, and West was like, go for it. And when I had my death scene, I, you know, I sat in a corner for about an hour by myself and he kept everybody away and let me prepare to get into the right mind for it and everything. And, you know, he didn't go like, come on, come on, just get in there and get in that oven and die already. You know, you <laughs> yeah. like this. He, he, I mean, I wasn't taking up people's time. I just said, hey, I'm going to be over there getting ready while you guys set up the lights. And he's like, yeah, great. Just do it. And very nurturing, very sweet, very mellow. You know, yeah. but obviously very dark, twisted imagination. <laughs> yeah, right. It's amazing how those counterpoints play in certain people. I mean, we, we, we put out a short horror film, and if you met us and you watched the film, you'd be like, what's wrong with you guys? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But, I mean, you know, it's kind of weird. And, and, and recently I feel like Rob Zombie's the same way. Mm-hmm. Super nice, yeah. way low, you know. Both kind of dorky, you know. Like you go, Rob Zombie's not a dork, and they're like, mm, yeah. If you sat down, talking, like, wow, he's a 
not a dork in a bad way at all, but yeah. like dorky because he's a film, you know, he's a cinema cinephile. And uh, uh, same with Guillermo del Toro. Like he was all giddy when I met him on the set of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And he's like, oh, I know who you are. You're Roach. You're Roach. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? You're Guillermo del Toro. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and and then you realize those are the best kind of people because they're fans of they're fans of good work and they're fans of uh, not that I'm saying oh he was a fan of my good work meaning that they're just they're fans of the genre so who else to do it better than them you know of course so, and uh, um, I think one of the things that's important we we've spoken with a number of actors and you seem to have it too is a really strong foundation in in um, acting classes and yeah. practicing the trade and perfecting the trade so how important is studying the craft and how do you attribute that to your success well, in, the, in the career oh definitely because i feel like i feel uh, an acting teacher said it to me best and said you know you you don't walk into a hospital and go i want to i want to do a brain surgery <laughs> <laughs> you know or you don't go into a courtroom and go can i defend him mm-hmm. you know i'd like to it doesn't work that way you put in hours and hours and hours and you become a doctor. And then you put in hours and hours and hours and you become a lawyer. And we have to put in hours and hours and hours and you don't even know if you'll succeed. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of like, at least they have a job at the end of it. You don't even know you have a job. So every, it was great. He, he hammered into us. You better know plays, movies. You know, I loved movies and entertainment anyway, but Man, when when I was working with my class and I said, hey, you know, we have to do a film noir thing. And they were like, Wait, what's film noir? And I was like, oh, oh shit. shit. <laughs> but, that, but I'm saying that they think, you know, being good and putting out some videos on YouTube, that's not what it is. Because every meeting you have, they will, someone will say, well, yeah, it's just like, you know, Repo Man meets, uh, you know, Edward Scissorhand. And you better know what that means or why, what that means. Or, or they were talking about the early films of Billy Wilder or, um, uh, no, this one guy just was talking to me and said, oh, God, what's his name? I forget. They were trying to say it was like Hitchcock meets um, uh, David O. Russell. Mm-hmm. But you have to know what that means. So if you don't know what that means, you're in trouble. Yeah. So. Not only do you study the craft, you have to study the industry and know movies. And you don't have to watch the shows, but you can even go on Wikipedia if someone says, hey, it's like, you know, once upon a time. And you just read it and watch like a clip on YouTube and go, okay, at least I know what it is. I don't watch it myself. But like if someone says, oh, it's like Dexter, I never watched the whole series, but I know what that is. And that's so important to know. Because I just met with a young set director for my film, Crust, and, and I said, I was, that's the one I was talking about, Repo Man. And he goes, oh, yeah, like Repo Man, not, not like an early Tim Burton movie. And he's, I said, yeah, that's right. And he's only 21 years old, and yeah. he knew all that stuff. So, and you got it, and people will respect you more if you do. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can't take a meeting. You can't go, no, I've never seen, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like if someone goes, Game of Thrones, what? What? You know, like – you can't i don't have a tv or whatever so okay great but then you can't have a discussion and it's fine if you don't have a tv but you at least have to do your homework and know what's going or at least know what's going on out there then you better be reading blogs and knowing what's going on you know sure well growing up as a child in maryland and all that what tv shows and movies influenced you what what like what was on your hit list that you remember I as mean, a kid I was, yeah, that's a good question i mean like i watched all the old you know 
I Love Lucy, which, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that def- that redefined comedy in the modern age. You know, they hair and, and Desi Arnaz is not. I mean, people know it now, but he was the pioneer of of. It's all done the same because of him. The three camera audience, all that stuff. Um, and uh, I think I, I watched the Three Stooges and Warner Brothers cartoons a lot, and. Uh, Gosh, in my day, we had Fantasy Island and uh, uh, Six Million Dollar Man, and <laughs> you know, cool Gilligan's Island. Uh, but I, I love the Three Stooges. I, I thought they were excellent. You know, so much fun. Uh, so you're really into the classics then, and and that type of classic. Yeah, we had a guy named Captain Twenty, and he was he was on this bogus space kind. He was like, "Hello, it's Captain Twenty. and he would present. You know, cool old school TV shows like, uh, you know, Scooby Doo and and just God, Saturday morning cartoons were the greatest thing ever. Like yeah. you get a huge preview on Friday night about what's coming on Saturday morning. So <laughs> HR Puff and stuff and all that stuff. It was great for sure. Well, during my childhood, I got to see your Got Milk commercial. Yes. Um, where with the the famous Aaron Burr got milk commercial. How did you yeah. end up landing that? And and did that? I feel like that would have boosted you into more popularity than even a, a movie could have done. Absolutely, because that ran consistently. Like like I thought, oh, I'm in people on the stairs. My life's going to change. We were number one for six weeks. Mm-hmm. And I thought oh, my life's going to change, and and it didn't. Um, which was interesting. I thought, oh, that's weird, but um. All my guy friends that were character actors, we'd all show up at the same kind of commercials, and we were all there for this one. And they gave us bread, and they gave us a big jar of peanut butter, and they said, "This is what's going on. Um, go, just go with it, you know." Mm-hmm. And they had the lines of the radio announcer, and so I shoved the peanut. First of all, I shoved a crap load in my mouth uh, on the audition. Um, and then I guess what they told me later is I got the job because they didn't have an ending and a lot of people were really angry and throwing the phone and getting pissed off or spitting out the thing and going, no, and screaming and all this mm-hmm. stuff. But I was the only guy to just go, oh, my God, like I, I, my life's a joke, like my whole <laughs> life. Like that was the moment and I fucked it up. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then uh, – um, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on your show. Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, okay. So anyway, I, I, so they said that's why I kind of got the job because there was I kind of brought an ending to it. But you know, I don't sit there and go, well, of course, I was sitting there thinking that I didn't, you know, I just did what I thought was funny at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what I thought was funny. Well, um, which meant you were naturally funny in that situation. Right? Yeah, I, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know that people got angry or anything. All I knew is just. Oh, well, you know, he, he screwed, you know, and, uh, so, and, and, and I don't a hundred percent remember it at the time. I just did what I thought was funny, but they told me later, like, that's the ending that we want. So when I went there, Michael Bay directed it and he just said, just do what you did in the audition. Oh, you're shitting me. Michael Bay directed that commercial. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> I had that. I had that. I did not know. Oh, see, I thought, you know, that I did my research, but I missed that shit. Michael oh, Bay did that. Uh, that was his last, you know, he was a big commercial director, but that was his last commercial before he did, um, before he, he, that like broke him into movies. And he got The Rock after that, actually, the Alcatraz movie after he did 
uh, that milk commercial because that that milk commercial blew up. You know, it was such a big yeah. thing. So uh, it won all these awards and he got all this accolades and got a huge career out of it. And, you know, so it was awesome. So And, and for me, uh, I was in acting class and someone said, hey, you know, Spielberg saw that um, commercial mm-hmm. and your life's going to change. And I said, I don't know what that means. And she said, well, you know, he, he liked the commercial. So um, it'll mean good things for you. And I said, okay. And after that, I got put in Twister, which he executive produced, put me in The Men in Black, which he executive produced. And his friend was Tom Hanks, who put me in That Thing You Do, and, and Drew Barrymore, put me in a couple of her movies. And, you know, so, but the down, I mean, I, I was working a ton in commercials. I used to get, you know, at least five or six a year, and then it all ended. Like after that, I could, I've never done, I think I've done two commercials since then mm-hmm. and that movie is 20 i mean that commercial is 20 i did that in 93 so i mean it's 14 24 years old and i haven't done any commercial because they yeah. everyone thinks it was a huge campaign and i'm so associated with that one commercial that you know and so you say well it kind of started my theatrical career cool um cool. where i had amazing experiences but it ended my commercial career yeah so but that's okay you know i mean that's you know i I wouldn't trade the theatrical career for anything of course course. you have a real passion for comedy obviously but you also have a a really uh iconic history in horror i do how how do you feel what are the differences and what are the similarities to your acting in horror versus comedy well, I mean, in, I mean, comedy's just fun because I love doing comedy because you make the when you say cut, the crew laughs. You know, mm-hmm. just like an audience, the crew will. If you can make the crew laugh, then you're doing well. Um, in horror, uh, it, it, you know, it's it. You know, on a comedy, they go ah. Ha, ha, ha. In horror, they're like, "Are you okay? Are, are you okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, fine." You know, uh, because. It's uh, it's 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 basically comedy or drama. A horror is usually a drama, ninety yeah. percent of the time, unless it's a horror comedy, which are rare. Um, but you're, it's not really horror; it's just drama. The difference between drama is you're more emotionally and not. I mean, not necessarily emotionally invested because that's comedy, but it's draining emotionally. Um, because it's usually intense circumstances, you know, usually in a horror movie, the circumstances are so intense that to put yourself through it is exhausting. Right. Um, right. Same with, but I did NYPD blue and Dennis Franz. I don't know if you know that show. Sure. Yeah. I know Dennis Dennis Franz. It's like in my face, you know, interrogating me. And I was sitting there just going, Oh, this is awesome. Like, (laughs) And and he Sipowitz is yelling at me right now, you know, and and that was exhausting, you know, going through uh going through that process of being tense and scared that they're going to bust you and all this other stuff. So yeah, absolutely. So uh, um, to me, it's the same kind of thing. It's just uh, I just like giving it a hundred percent and then having an immediate reaction is fun, you know. But I like doing horror, and I, you know, so I, the movie I just wrote is Crust, and it's a horror comedy. So yeah. uh, I'm very excited about that. So it's of kind course. of the best of both. How did you end up getting involved with Death House? 
that was um, my good friend, Felissa Rose, who's our sleepaway camp, who's a producer. And I had worked with Har- Harrison Smith before, or we've been trying to work together before. Mm-hmm. Um, and they wanted, you know, as many iconic horror people as possible. So they contacted me and asked me to be a part of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, and so I was. So it was very fun, very cool. I got a fun little part. I play Satan. Cool. And, uh, I can't talk about more than that, but uh, uh, it was very cool. It was fun. Right. It was a fun role. I know yeah. they, they, but you know, this is one they're trying to keep under wraps a little bit so people can be surprised. Did you so. at least get to interact? You don't have to say who, but did you get to interact with any of the the other icons on set? And to me, I see those guys all the time. We you do horror conventions all the time. Gotcha. So I, I know Kane. I know Sid. I know, you know, uh, Bill Mosley. I know, I know all those guys. Mm-hmm. I know uh, Tony Todd. I know, I know all those guys from horror conventions anyway. So, and obviously, like Jan DeBond, I mean, Jan uh, Birch from People Under the Stairs. And, you know, I know all those guys from conventions. So it was great to like be in a movie with all yeah. of them, you know. Of course, well, we actually had Harrison on um, late cool. last year, earlier this year. Nice. Remember, was it this year or last year? Uh, Time yeah, flies, but we had Harrison on. We continue to chat with him. He's just a great. He's a great guy. A um, fun director, great to work for. Really cool. Yeah, he's been very generous with his time and and connecting us to other people too, and and all that stuff. So, um, yes, we were we were happy to meet him. Um, but you've met just so many people in your work. I mean, you already mentioned Alan Rock from Ferris Bueller. You've right. worked with Drew Barrymore. I mean, are there any of the actors that you've worked with that, um, you know, either challenged you in a way that was positive or that you learned from on set, like some moment that you stuck with you for your career? I mean, I think, I mean, honestly, uh, a couple. I mean, one was Drew Barrymore. She fought for me because I wrote my part for Never Been Kissed. It was only supposed to be one line. And she just said, you know, the director's like, well, he has to do this. Yeah, she has to do that. She goes, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He created something that's funny and it's working. So let's, and it was her first movie as a producer. And she's like, let, yeah. let him do his thing. And, and I don't want to film what the script said because that's not what he's doing. He's doing something better. And that's what we're going to do, you know, and that was really cool. And then Dennis Franz, who was so cool to work with, and he just, afterwards, I was just stunned, you know, and he said, I'm so sorry. And I said, what? And he goes, I got a little bit of a cold, so maybe I'm not giving you as much as I should to get you in there. And I was like, that's that's the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. That guy was so cool. I mean, and I thought, wow, he's, he's great. Like, that's how I want to be, you know? And I, that, I never forgot that because on any set, I, now I try to walk over to the extras and introduce myself and say hi. And, you know, he was so gracious and such a good guy and so, so talented, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that it was that was great to realize, oh, no, you don't you can be really, really good and be super nice and giving at the same time. There is no you know, it's not like you, you know, people go, oh, you're big enough to be an asshole. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Never the biggest the biggest people I work with Tim Burton Tom Hanks uh, all those people they they were always the coolest people it was the young you know the younger people who were kind of <laughs> that had attitudes and you're like well you haven't even earned this attitude and then I've worked with people bigger than you and they're super cool so I didn't really understand that 
So. Yeah, and that's people who have had longevity in their careers. I think in Hollywood uh, tend to be really good relationship people. In general, yeah. they understand that relationships are going to get them to the next job, and that Absolutely. people work with the same people over and over. Um, I assume you've you've had that experience as well. Yeah, my 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 girls will even laugh because I say I always say like. It's all about the hustle, baby. You know, they make a joke like, oh, it's all about the hustle, baby, right, Dad? And I was like, yeah. I go networking and then being really good when you get an opportunity is the most important thing uh, because you, the more people you know, the bigger your, you know, the bigger your funnel, I guess you'd call it, and the more, <laughs> more stuff can come in, you know? So that's, uh, that's, that's what I truly believe. Yes, relationships are key. You know? Yeah. And so you've assembled a crew to put something out to the world. You have an Indiegogo campaign running right now and uh, called For Crust. So for why don't you talk a little bit about that, tell our audience what the hell Crust is about and why it's funny. Uh, <laughs> Crust is uh, about a former child star working in a laundromat, lonely, sad, depressed guy, um, all his co-stars in his uh, child TV show have either uh, killed themselves or been imprisoned or are drug or alcoholics. And uh, <laughs> he's, uh, uh, he collects the single socks from the dryers and the washing machines and um, blows his nose in them, wipes sweat on them, bleeds on them, jerks off into them, and they're all this little pile in the corner of his uh, back room in the laundromat, and then one day he cries into the piles, uh, the sock pile, and it becomes Crust, uh, mm -hmm. the sock monster that avenges him and fights for him and kills for him un unbeknownst to him. So it's, you know, a dark horror comedy a la, you know, um, uh, little shop of horrors and Willard kind of, mm -hmm. uh, because he gets drunk with the power of crust killing for him all the time. Um, so it's fun. It's very fun. Felissa Rose, uh, is attached as my ex-girlfriend and scout Taylor Compton is attached and, um, we're getting an Indiegogo for it right now. It's on, um, Indiegogo. You just go to Indiegogo and put in crust movie and, and that's where we are. And we're taking meetings with other finance people and other things. So, you know, it's a slow process, but it'll happen. It may not happen overnight, but it'll happen for sure. Sure. Of course. And is this intended to be a short or a feature? It's a feature. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Feature, yeah. Very cool. You can watch the fun video. Yeah, I did. I got a good laugh out of it. You were great. you were you were great. The music, I like the music. The music was was cute, yeah. and it really yeah. plays into the attitude of of the movie and kind of the irony there and and all that stuff. So I I thought it was hysterical. Um, yes. And you know, I mean that what you're doing lately also is you're heading up uh, acting classes at James Franco's school. Yes. Right? Um, yes. And how long have you been doing that now? I started in August of last year, but I've been teaching workshops and things like that for like three or four years. And then I finally got a regular gig at James Franco's school here in Hollywood. And I just had our, our new teacher mm -hmm. meeting yesterday who is James Kahn. Oh, wow. And, uh, wow. Yeah. So uh, he, uh, we spoke yesterday and it was really cool because I got a call today from the supervisor at the school and said, yeah, James Kahn really likes you and likes what you're doing and likes the way you think. And I was kind of like, Wow, that's really cool yeah. <laughs> to think. Wow, James Conn. <laughs> so uh, 
Yeah, he's great. In fact, we're going. I'm going to dinner with him next week, and and we're talking shop a little bit more and stuff like that. So that's really cool. And it's a comedy improv department where um, we come in, you you learn comedy improv, and then we put on shows pretty regularly. And I'm trying to build up a comedy department that rivals the Groundlings or Upright Citizens Brigade or Second City. You know. Sure. And, and how long do the workshops last? And like, what's well, it, the schedule I'm, like? I'm ongoing. It's every Tuesday night, and it's ongoing throughout the year. So it's uh, every Tuesday night throughout gotcha. the year. And I'm growing. They're going to have me be partially in charge of the teen program, and and you know my thing will probably grow to a couple nights a week eventually as I get more students. So very oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's very, I love teaching, and it's great. It's like giving back. You feel like you know. You just uh, you, you, all you want to do is just like you do for your kids. I just want to teach them things that I wish I knew, you know, mm-hmm. when I was that age. So right. Well, that's what happens when you're able to master your craft, right? You you are able to give back and and do those yeah, sorts of things. You just know more than you think you know. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the strange thing. You just try and you go, oh, I, I actually know that that's not right, or this works, or this doesn't work. You know, or the you know the best way you can teach. It's you know my class isn't for everybody, but I think. Uh, you can get something out of it for sure. Sure, yeah. I mean, it's really cool that Franco even has that. Uh, I call him Franco, like I know him. James James Franco has that school <laughs> out there, um, in that he that he put that together. I mean, I saw all the other stars that are attached to it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So people must go crazy for that out in LA, and it looks like there are classes in New York as well, right? Yep. There's, so New York and LA, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, it's great. It's it's really cool, and and yeah, James Conn is now going to be a regular teacher there. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, if you ever get out to New York to teach a, teach a workshop, we'd love to come in yeah. and check it out and yes. uh, see what you're doing. I, that's a great idea. I'd love to get a, a studio for out there and teach a workshop. It'd be fun. Cool. Well, maybe we can help each other out and hook that up. <laughs> but it's all good. Like I have a lot, and I just wrote a comedy play with my friend. I want to plug that, which is Go called Spiky on Vine. It's a dinner theater experience where it's the hottest. Uh, it's a comedy. It's the hottest restaurant in in Hollywood, which is um, all your all the waiters are trained therapists. So <laughs> you get you get your dinner and analyzed at the same time, and it's going to be a dinner theater experience like Tony and Tina's wedding, where you actually sit down and watch the play unfold right in front of you as the therapist. You know, it's a comedy about the therapists uh, analyzing the tables and. It's the night that Oprah is choosing her next um, her next Doctor Phil or Doctor Oz, mm-hmm. and so all the therapists are trying to screw each other over for the job. So uh, it's a fun comedy. That does sound fun. That sounds really cool. We're uh, we're doing uh, a of that tomorrow night, and that'll be up uh, probably in the summer. So it'll very be good. cool. Well. Yeah. Sean, this has been really great. We appreciate you giving us your time. Um, do you want to give the folks some info about where they can find you online and how to connect with you? Uh, yes, please. Uh, if you go to Sean M. Whalen on Facebook and just friend me there, um, I accept all friends there, and uh, you'll see updates. I do fun questions. I do my caption contests every couple of weeks, which are fun. You can win a free autograph, and then I'm heading out to conventions soon. I'll be at... Um, uh, Texas Frightmare Weekend coming up, and um, what the other ones? But uh, anyway, you can see all the updates there mm-hmm. uh, at Sean M Whalen on Twitter um, at that guy SMW, um, and yeah, if you're interested in classes or even Skype coaching, like I do 
I've coached people via Skype for oh, a wow. long time. Yeah, so uh, all that, if you just go to my Facebook Messenger or Twitter, um, you can get in touch with me and, you know, I can maybe be your teacher. Who knows? Awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely go to Indiegogo Crust Movie to donate. We have some cool stuff there and uh, uh, you can be a part of the film. Great. So, yeah. Well, thanks so much, Sean. I hope hey, you have a great night. Yep. Thank guys, you. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. All yeah. right.